Thanks for listening to Swatch of Horrors podcast. I'm your host, Memes, and I'm a former makeup artist here to share horror stories in the beauty industry as told by makeup artists, hairstylists, nail techs, and more. Artists, here's your chance to share your horror stories that you've experienced throughout your career, and most importantly, to let your clients and customers know that you are human too. And if you're a client, learn what it's like to be on the other side of the chair, making you look and feel like your best self. Swatch of Horrors. I'm looking for a new compete yeah, I'm sweating. I'm literally in a closet. Um, <laughs> I love it. So today my guest was a makeup artist for about four years and worked in at least two major beauty retailers. She has done freelance work for special occasions, film productions, music videos, and beauty ad campaigns. After working as a makeup artist while in college to pursue her degree in communications, she went on to a career in marketing for skincare and more. We're going to call her Allie. Thank you for being on the show today. Hello. I don't know who's listening, but this is my first podcast. Thanks for being here. Uh, We have crossed paths in the working world at one point or another. I feel like for makeup artists, that could be anything. Usually like in a department store, they can bring in freelancers. They can bring in people who work for the actual brand who just go from store to store. So I've worked with a lot of different people and you and I have worked together in some way or another. And we're here to talk about some of your horror stories today. Yeah, there's definitely a lot. (laughs) So what have you been doing lately in this pandemic? I know we've got a lot going on in our world. There's record numbers going on for COVID. And, um, you know, we have Black Lives Matter movement going on in the last, you know, few months. I think bigger than I've ever seen it. It all started, you know, with the murder of George Floyd, which was really awful. You know, it's one of those things where it's just because of social media or phones, you you see everything now and who knows what we haven't been able to see. Uh, so mm-hmm. there's that going on. And of course, you know, protests, the biggest I've ever seen in my life, uh, which I thought was really moving too, but all this in a pandemic. So what have you been up to? How have you been coping? Yeah, um, I think it's definitely just an absolutely insane time for the entire world. And in terms of my world, I've been doing good trying to cope. I'm working from home. So yes, I'm working in marketing now. Um, They originally had to cut my hours, but I am back to full time working in my room. I thoroughly enjoy it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I feel like working from home, uh, you know, you can take a break and take a step away from your desk when you need to. Um, You're not, you know, glued to your chair like can tend to be at an office. And I think it's been hard for everybody to navigate COVID. I think 
that so many people are dealing with skyrocketing mental illness or finally realizing that they have mental illness during this time and talking about it. So I think the big thing that I've been working on for myself during this time is, you know, my own anxiety issues and dealing with all the things that in the hustle and bustle of everyday life, you don't really deal with. I think those are just a couple of the things that I've been working on. Yeah, I've I feel the anxiety thing a lot. I kind of go in and out of it sometimes, especially at the beginning, it was really bad. And then I kind of got used to everything and focused on what I can control. Like I can control wearing a mask. I can control Mm -hmm. washing my hands and not seeing people. And um, that kind of helped. But then I kind of had like a moment yesterday where I was like, my chest hurts. Like, is it my anxiety? Do I have COVID? Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like for people with anxiety it's like well shit now you don't know if it's your anxiety I know is it anxiety or COVID which one is it or is it both (laughs) exactly Um, so do you do anything specific to help cope with anxiety because I know I try to do some things they don't always work well I recently decided to take a break from social media um I deactivated my Instagram and I have always been like average user of social media Mm -hmm. Um, Like it took me a while to get on the Instagram bandwagon and the whole scheme of things, but I decided just to take a break from it because I feel like I really couldn't be present and it was, you know, overflowing my anxiety and I kind of reeled back and just to things that, you know, I just wanted to read. I wanted to pick up a book. I bought coloring books to occupy my time that I realized, you know, a lot of people notice that they help with anxiety. So those are just a couple of the things that I've been trying to do. Pretty good. I know social media can cause more anxiety sometimes as everything is just in your face. And um, for me, it was seeing a lot of people gathering still and me Mm -hmm. worrying about their health and feeling like, okay, is my family going to die because they (laughs) hang out in big quantities? Everything's just so in your face all the time. You're right. It's like hard to be present. So that's good. Are you, um, do you want to share what you're reading or what you started picking up? Yeah, I currently am reading a poetry book. It's, um, yeah, The Sun and Her Flowers by Ruby Kaur. I don't know how to pronounce her name. So excuse me on that. But I'm reading that. And then I recently bought, um, I recently bought a book that I feel like everybody and their mom has recommended, which is The Untethered Soul. Um, So that's a little bit more about spirituality and feelings. And I haven't started that one yet, but that's that's what I want to read next. But yeah, I I like the idea of reading and definitely I hear that helps with anxiety too. So during this quarantine, have you been using a specific product or beauty product or did you buy something recently that you like? I could talk about makeup for hours, as you know. (laughs) But I have really through quarantine, like definitely less makeup. I still take a lot of video calls, obviously, throughout the day. So In the morning, I'll just do really basic foundation, concealer, mascara, maybe Mm -hmm. like brow gel, but no really new products in terms of makeup. There are a lot of shit that I want to buy that Mm -hmm. I'm not, but I am going through a lot of my skincare and going through a lot of my masks, which I've really been enjoying masking, but I'm trying to think of any specific products. Or is there a specific one that you want to buy that you're kind of eyeing right now? I've been really wanting to try vitamin C serums for brightening. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just for my skin. Like, so I have a lot of redness and scarring. Um, and oh, there was, did you ever hear the whole drama about the mixed makeup vlogger YouTube channel? Uh, no, I'm kind of, I kind of live under a rock when it comes to the drama, unless it's yeah. trending somehow. So oh, what's, what's going on with that? Well, I wanted to buy her vitamin C serum because it was like 22%, which is very, very high. Mm-hmm. But she... Basically, there was this whole brand that came out that she was promoting, and she later revealed that she was the founder of the brand or co-founder, and everybody went off on her because they're like, you should have said that you are, you know, personally correlated or, you know, Mm -hmm. with this brand. Yeah. But that was just something interesting that obviously having all the free time in quarantine, I'm just catching up on YouTube drama as well. So, but yes, vitamin C serums. I really want to get into those and try those. Um, yeah. Yeah. I remember having uh, the doctor, was it the Dr. Dennis Gross one? The collagen, C collagen brightening. I didn't really think it really did much and it kind of smelled like herbal, like supplements or something it's kind of a weird smell yeah it's tolerable but yeah if you find one let me know (laughs) i will yeah so let's get right into your horror stories i know you have a few that you wanted to talk about today yeah i mean the first one i remember it was either my first or second week at the uh, beauty counter that i worked at and I was obviously still learning, getting into the flow of things, still new, relatively new to how their POS system worked, how their register worked. Um, And it was about closing time. Um, We were like, I want to say like 10 minutes from closing. And this woman and her husband, kids came in and she was really pleasant. Um, she just started saying, you know, give me this, give me this, give me this, give me this. I'm like, all right, you know, started, yeah, I was like, okay, like it wasn't even holiday, holiday time. So it didn't seem like she was getting gifts or anybody. Um, and I was just showing her things, you know, like new products at the counter. And she's like, yep, I'll take one of that. I'll take one of that. I'll take one of that. <laughs> Obviously, I am stoked because, you know, I'm like, great. I'm going to have an awesome sale, like a new client um, come to ring her up and her credit card uh, declined. So I ran it a couple times, still declined. Obviously, I apologized, um, let her know. And by this time, you know, closing announcements were going on um and she decides to call her bank <laughs> and I'm just standing at the restaurant at the register like uh okay uh that's not sure if I'm supposed to say anything obviously I really didn't um so she was obviously on hold for a while she got through to somebody mm-hmm. started telling them you know I increased my limit but my card's not going through I'm, I'm at the store right now and you know, why didn't you guys increase my limit? And for literally probably the next 10 minutes, she starts cursing at the representative she's on the phone with while her kids and her husband are just sitting there as if nothing is going on in the world. I swear to God. They're just used to it. Yeah, they're just used to it. It's literally just a Karen story, (laughs) like another Karen in retail. And so me not knowing what to do, I just kind of didn't really say anything because I'm like, what am I supposed to do? She's on the phone. Like I can't really say anything. So then obviously my yeah. manager was closing time. So she kind of um, 
noticed obviously what was going on and we kind of just had to wait it out and you know we can't really tell her to leave so it was just it's definitely a very awkward experience (laughs) did the card ever go through it did yeah she she made sure that the client that the person the rep she was talking to um increased her limit so it's like the store was closed um like because I want to say she came in you know 10 minutes before closing picked out a bunch of things literally like thousands of dollars worth of stuff Mm -hmm. so by then you know store was closed literally doors shut absolutely everything she was like the store was quiet and you just hear this Karen (laughs) on the phone cussing out the freaking Chase Bank representative. Wow. And I'm just standing there while, like, you know, obviously all the other employees are looking at me like, oh man, you know, they're probably annoyed because they're like, oh, you know, why couldn't she check out her customer earlier? And I'm new. So I'm like, now everybody hates me. <laughs> yeah. It, it can be kind of catty. I don't know if you've experienced some of that, but um, just kind of the cattiness in the makeup industry, I feel like, especially with sales. Did you experience some of that? Because like you said, you were new and everyone's waiting on you and you're getting this big sale and you're you're the new person. Of course, you're getting this big commission. Yeah, I think it was the shock to me, the like competitiveness aspect of it, because like I'm naturally not that type of person. Like I'm kind of just like, yeah, I'll make my sales. You make your sales. Let's do our own thing, whatever. I didn't realize people were actually like, no, this is my client. Do not talk to them kind of thing. Um, Yeah, very, very territorial with their clients. Exactly. Very territorial. And it was kind of the job that I had previously wasn't very individual. You didn't have individual sales goals at my previous job. So it was all new to me. Didn't realize Mm -hmm. that people would get pissed off if you like, like sold a customer or something from their brand. So just to clarify, like, Usually when you work at different department stores, you have your own counter or brand or area that you work for. And I didn't realize mm-hmm. you couldn't sell to people from other people's areas. <laughs> that makes Yeah. Sense. And that's kind of the conflict I noticed when I worked in that environment was your store and your manager, they want you to cross sell with other brands that you don't work for to yeah. obviously cater better to the customer to get the customer familiar with all the different brands that they can come back to shop to. But you as a person representing one counter, it's kind of like you have those sales goals to sell that brand that you're assigned to. And it did get really territorial and very competitive when you would go over to a different brand and maybe you need to pick out one eyeliner from that brand and Mm -hmm. because your customer wants it. And that's kind of where I learned where I guess people are called sharks. Yeah. Um, like, oh, this person's a shark. That person's a shark. <laughs> it kind of ha- creates that divide. Like your managers want you to do one thing is to cross sell. And then your coworkers, they sometimes, not all, but sometimes they get very territorial and possessive about their brand and you encroaching on their own sales. So that can be kind of awkward too. <laughs> yeah. It was definitely something new for me that I was just kind of like, why is she like? giving me the death stare now (laughs) um what about your other story this is probably the one story that when people ask about my time in retail I tell them this story because it's just that like what the actual fuck kind of story (laughs) 
Okay. <laughs> uh, but I think I think you were I think you were there for a couple of the times that it happened. But basically, this older lady would come in mm-hmm. at least once a week to our cosmetics department and always be with a older man. Yeah. And she would always have them purchase for her a Chanel, I want to say it was like number five. It was literally the most expensive perfume you could get at the department. Literally the most expensive because it was like the biggest size, like the three mm-hmm. the three fluid ounce or whatever. Um, that was, I want to say around $400, $300. Oh, yeah. I think it was that. the really concentrated. Perfume. It's been a while, but. Yeah, the Chanel. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so it was always that fragrance. So she never strayed away from anything else. <laughs> um, and then, it's her so, signature scent. Yeah, so she would have the men purchase the perfume for her mm-hmm. on their credit card. And she would come back days later and ask to return the perfume but obviously, since she didn't have the credit card that the guy paid with, she would get cash. So she oh, wow. was literally making her living on being like a con artist and just ripping people off. I don't even know if that's the right word for it, but it was just absolutely insane what she was doing. And 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 before she would like lure them into the cosmetics department, there was a cafe mm-hmm. right outside and she would sit them down and like you know go on a date with them and so that's obviously where the kind of suspicion of you know if she was a sex worker or not or whatever she was doing came in obviously that's just a rumor and nobody really knows if it's true or not but it was just such a weird thing because literally every single week it was a new guy so that was just one thing that I'll never forget (laughs) Did she, um, did you ever have a problem with her or? No, but I did ring, I did check her out one time knowing that she was going to return the, the perfume because it's like, obviously all the employees got to recognize this woman. So whenever Mm -hmm. she would come in, nobody would want to check her out because (laughs) they would know it would hurt their sales because she's going to freaking return that damn perfume that she bought a a thousand times already. (laughs) Um, that's yeah. pretty funny she she must have been pretty charming to convince these men because I remember her now she would come in with a different guy right mm-hmm. and then I remember one time she brought a guy over and she was trying to convince him and talk to him about <laughs> buying the perfume and they left like empty handed <laughs> she's like nope not this one not today not I'll today. be back tomorrow <laughs> So I think this guy knew what she was up to. He was like, I'm not buying this perfume for you. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't charmed enough. But yeah, that also kind of brings the other aspect of what customers don't always know is that most makeup artists have sales goals. Mm -hmm. And not everybody knows that. And there's that frustrating part where, you know, you don't want to ring this person up because you know they're going to return it. And that's going to go against your commission and against Mm -hmm. your sales goals. And a lot of times your sales goals, if you don't meet them, you don't get the hours. So yep. it can be stressful. And I think maybe 
in some ways, it creates tension for the artist and the customer. Have you ever felt that way where you just felt so stressed out and it was interfering with your interaction because all you could think about was, at least for me, sometimes it's like, if I don't make my goal, I'm not going to get hours. Yeah, it's definitely a livelihood thing. Um, You know, I was paying for my education at the time and it kind of boils down to the fact, yes, you're making a percentage of commission and then you have your hourly rate and then if you're not making your sales, individual sales goals, then they're not going to give you hours because you're not making the company money. Um, So when you spend 45 minutes doing a full makeover on somebody and they buy either nothing or a $20 lipstick, you're like, well, shit, I could have just helped five other customers that knew what they wanted. Mm -hmm. That could have been like two skincare items that were like $200. So It was definitely a very, very hard thing to navigate. Yeah. And I think, too, that's kind of the unwritten rule mm-hmm. where it was like, is there a minimum purchase with this makeover? Mm-hmm. And it kind of put people in an awkward position because, one, you don't want to say yes because it maybe makes the customer feel bad. Or and then you don't want to say no because what if they don't end up buying anything? But I think that's where I kind of had to learn how to get people to buy things that they're going to want. Because I learned at one point, if you cap them off at 50, they're just going to buy 50 and that's it. But if you don't give them that minimum, then it's possible they could spend 100 because you taught them how to do all of these things. And I think that's kind of what I started to do was uh, making sure that they knew how to use the makeup so that when they take it home, they could they could do it themselves. Yep. But I remember sometimes I would get like a client who would buy stuff and then they they would go and return it. Yep. And then I would get <laughs> all the stuff. Back. I'm like, I just you just bought all this stuff. Like, why didn't you just tell me you didn't want to buy it? Yeah. Like, sometimes you just wish they would say no mm-hmm. rather than buy everything and and then return it. But yeah, that's the tricky thing, and. It's even more tricky because management would not really give you helpful instruction on how to navigate that question of when people ask, oh, is there a minimum purchase requirement? I feel like for me personally, I don't know if you are the same, but like I feel like sometimes it would be like, yeah, I know you're not allowed to say there's a minimum. Mm -hmm. People would still do it. And then other times it'd be like, you have to say there's a minimum. So you're kind of just like, well, what the hell do I do? <laughs> exactly. It was it was never like it was one or the other and it was just hard to navigate. <laughs> yeah. So so memes and I we would see each other interact with our our <laughs> clients and customers and I remember not having any anybody there, so you know, I was kind of just doing my thing. A client came up and said, you know, what is setting powder? And she was pointing at the product. And Memes said, well, it's setting powder. And (laughs) the customer got really upset to the point where I'm pretty sure she told the manager. And I thought she went to you to like complain about me. Oh, yeah. No, I think she went to me first. Yes, you're right. She went to me first. And I didn't know what to say because I'm like, yeah, it's setting powder. (laughs) I think I literally said setting powder or something like that and and I wasn't trying to be a smart ass but at the same time like I I don't know it just kind of came out where 
it was like, well, it's setting powder. Like, how else do you describe that? I guess I could have said you put this on after you're done with your foundation, but mm-hmm. I think it was like one of the end of the night type of things. And yeah, I didn't mean to be rude, but yeah, she went. I, I saw her like like her arms were flailing or something, <laughs> and she was like talking to you. So I think she was complaining about me. And do you remember? I don't remember what she said, but it was so long ago. I remember one of the things that she said was like. It's like she doesn't think I can read. Like it says setting powder, but I'm asking what it is. And I'm like, well, honestly, setting powder is pretty hard to describe. <laughs> I mean, it's in its name. It sets it sets your makeup. It's the setting powder. Yeah. Um, yep. Yep. I should have been a little bit more detailed about what you do with setting powder. Uh, everybody has but, common um, sense, unfortunately, but... Yeah. Some people could ask what eyeliner is. (laughs) Were you there the time that there is a a lady who came in and she had really dark circles and she would come in a lot and she was always trying to find a way to conceal the dark circles. And I did my best to use like a, like a color corrector and then a concealer. Mm -hmm. And she didn't like anything that I was suggesting Mm -hmm. because you could still see a little darkness come through. Yeah. She had a really extreme case. So I was doing my best and I was trying to explain why I would use a color corrector because, you know, I'm trying to cancel out the color that she has. And she just didn't like anything that I had to say. And I was genuinely trying to help her. And she went over to a different counter and was complaining about me. And then she stormed off to <laughs> tell the store manager all I was trying to do was help her and she didn't like the way it was looking and and um, I had to go tell the managers right away. And then within like a minute, the store manager came storming in <laughs> to like, I don't know if it was to get my side of the story or what, but it was pretty intense because I had never had a, someone call a store manager on me before and I wasn't even being a smart ass, which I can be sometimes. I wasn't being rude. I was just trying to help her conceal her dark circles. And I walked them through the scenario, the managers, and they felt like I did the best that I could. I serviced the customer. They had a theory that maybe she just goes to every counter and every counter tells her something different. Uh, So if you're used to hearing all these different answers, then finally you get to me. Maybe she felt like, why is this another different answer? What's your opinion on all the different things you can do? Like, there's not one way to do stuff, right? Yeah. And I think it's also a tricky thing because you want to sell the brand that you work for as products. And obviously, sometimes Mm -hmm. they're not going to work for the client. Those extreme cases, I think I do remember the woman that you're talking about. Those extreme cases are very tricky to navigate because you're trying to be obviously sensitive to the fact that this may be an insecurity of theirs and you don't want to say anything wrong so Mm -hmm. and that's that's one thing working in cosmetics it's like when a woman says oh like can you cover my wrinkles you're like no (laughs) no can't can't. (laughs) uh but you're still beautiful like it's a very awkward thing and everybody has their own insecurities like I think I struggled with acne and acne scars for many years and working in cosmetics, it was very hard because, you know, you do do trainings and you have to take all your makeup off and it's a very 
tricky thing to navigate for sure, especially I don't I don't really remember any specific scenarios I had when somebody came in mm-hmm. for that. But yeah, you it is a very delicate balance. And I think damp. that's a good point you bring up because you do have to be super sensitive to people because like you said, you don't know what people are insecure about. Everyone has their insecurities, whether it's like wrinkles or acne or dark circles. And even if we mean really well, sometimes people just, if you just strike a nerve or say something that's just slightly off, then it mm-hmm. could send somebody just, it could just be a really poor interaction. And then it hurts sometimes. Like I have cried in the back of a stockroom before because oh, somebody yeah. was like mad at me. Yeah. That's another story. But working in cosmetics definitely gave me thicker skin. Would you say you feel the same? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, I, I would still, I would never take back any experience because, I mean, I was a really shy person. And although I worked in retail since I was literally 15, sales is different because you really have to step out of your comfort zone and really have to be able to Mm -hmm. speak up. And that's a skill that takes experience. So I think it really did toughen me up a bit in that realm and make me stand up for myself, you know, whether it's the competitive coworker or just person that's disrespecting you. Um, Yeah, so it was good. I would say I'd have a similar experience too. Uh, Definitely got me out of my comfort zone. Because if you don't sell, you don't work. Yep, literally. I know you mentioned um, you you did this while you were in college, and which I did too. It's a great job to, I thought it was a great job to do while I was in college. And after that, you went on to work in marketing and you worked at a skincare line. Tell me about some stories there that you may have. So my first job out of college being what I studied in school was what I on paper was my dream job. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Little did I know it had very toxic work environment. And thankfully, I'm not there anymore. But for example, we threw a influencer launch party for one of obviously the company's products that came out. And we, I had to, you know, be at the office at like 6am, drive to Los Angeles, set Mm -hmm. everything up, literally everything. We labor, manual labor that you're doing. Um, So was it like a party, like a, like a venue type of situation? Yeah. So it was this obviously very beautiful, beautiful venue in Los Angeles, Um, the influencer hub. (laughs) (laughs) like Instagrammable exactly so we had to make it as Instagrammable as possible and you know I'm setting up the flowers the charcuterie boards Mm -hmm. (laughs) table settings and I probably was running on like a cup of coffee and like half a bagel for eight hours at least oh man um so I'm obviously not feeling my best as are my coworkers, and then Mm -hmm. it comes time for the influencers to eat right because it's a launch party slash lunch and my brand manager tell us that we can't be there when they're eating when the influencers are eating and we're all kind of just like bitch what (laughs) Like, they obviously saw us setting everything up. We've mingled with the people. So it was awkward Mm -hmm. because, like, 
when the guests came and the influencers came, we were mingling with them on behalf of the brand. So they knew us. They knew that we worked for the company. They knew, obviously, we were, we were setting everything up. Came time to eat. Manager and were like, yeah, you guys need to go down to the basement. Uh, stay there until the food's done. And I'm like, <laughs> I want a slice of pizza. Like, what? <laughs> so they didn't even feed you guys and it was an all-day thing you said from like 6 a.m to probably lunchtime yeah like i i could probably have filed for something because i didn't get my <laughs> entitled 30 minute lunch um oh my gosh <laughs> they came down after you know the lunch was over and brought down two slices of pizza for all five of us so you know they helped us out a little bit <laughs> so who ate the pizza i mean i remember having like a sausage off of the pizza it sounds like like uh like some kind of prison situation yeah i mean i've never been to prison but i mean like just a couple more horror stories go down to the basement and we're not gonna feed you and um, we're going to hide you from the influencers now. Exactly. You're not pretty enough to mingle with this crowd. <laughs> you would think that they would want you to mingle more and they would feed you too. And, you know, just you represent the brand and you advertise it more to the influencer by talking to them about it. And you would think that they would include you guys with all that. And, hey, can you guys take pictures? <laughs> well, yeah. you know, but wow that's awful yeah and and that's the thing that didn't make sense is that obviously if they didn't want the influencers and the guests and the press knowing that they had their employees setting everything up then okay yeah tell us to leave right when the people get there but they didn't they wanted us mingling with the guests they wanted us talking to them just we can't eat the food (laughs) so yeah you would think they would at least like have ordered you a pizza to eat in the basement (laughs) yeah no nothing for the employees (laughs) wow was there anything else uh at your time there that you felt was um like sucked the fun out of beauty and your job yeah because while i was in college i had you know in my mind i wanted to work in beauty marketing you know since high school even So Mm -hmm. being that I got that as my first job out of college, I was over the moon, even though there was a little bit of hesitation going into the job because, you know, I had heard things, seen things about the company, and it did definitely put a damper on my dreams. (laughs) But at the end of the day, it was very character building. It got me to the job that I have now. So yeah, it was not a good experience overall, but it was a you know needed to be done experience (laughs) yeah makes you stronger I guess exactly yeah well I guess that wraps it up thanks for coming on and talking about uh, your experiences as a makeup artist and working in the marketing field for a skincare brand and all the horror stories that you've experienced ones that we've experienced together Thank you for having me. Thanks for whoever's listening. (laughs) It was extremely fun. That is it. Yay! (laughs) If you work in the beauty industry and you have your own horror stories that you want to share on the show, send me a DM at Swatch of Horrors on Instagram or Twitter, and I just might read them on the show. 